Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Control Alt Delete Slash Church and I'm delighted to be joined today by Susie Farnt. to have you with us Susie. Ah oh, great to be here. So um, for those of you who d- d- don't know Susie who are you and why on earth am I talking to you today? <laughs> oh, very good question uh, but um, so my current role is I am the young people and young adults development worker for the Church of Scotland uh, so I do a whole bunch of stuff trying to encourage uh, youth work, young adult work around uh, the Church of Scotland. Um, so we've known each other for a long time um, and it is great to be able to have a conversation. We have known each other for a long time and for all of that time you have been one of the people who I like to listen to because you're always um, kind of pushing the church to be better and to be different and to to say look here's here's a thing over here try this um and particularly obviously around children and young people um but that's you know the, the, their place in the church and, and ways of being church that that um works better for them we all know there's a huge gap in most of our congregations when i look out on a sunday morning when you're able to do that um that you know there are very few people under 40 um you know and and that's not unusual um so <laughs> Um, what are the kind of things that, that, that you've been coming up against in the last uh, few years that, that give you some kind of hope that that's not a, a kind of terminal position? <laughs> <laughs> or is there anything? Well, right, statistics will tell you one story. Yeah. Um, but, but then when I think when you see people and you hear their stories and you hear their passion, um, you, that's what gives you hope. Uh, So when you start to um, engage with uh, young people, uh, you start to engage with children and and really start to take them as people seriously. Uh, So not as kind of people in waiting, but but actually proper, fully, fully formed people uh, that um, can experience God and can hear from God and have so much to give um, and shape us too. Um, that that then gives you that sense of hope that oh yeah, some some people are getting this and and this can kind of go and this can kind of change um, and move. And I think there's there's been something in the last few years where folk have kind of got to that stage where they're like almost hopelessness, but they literally don't know where to turn. They've got to that point where they're like, literally everything we're doing is is not working. We can't do anything. And they've suddenly realised that they need to change. And it's the realising that they need to change that then sends them on this journey of, okay, we really do. Um, how can we? And it's, it, it starts them thinking about, oh, what about this? What about that? What about the other? And then on that experimentation thing. Um, and, and that then leads to the hope um, kind of stuff. So are there some kind of key fundamental things that people have discovered then that, you know, you talk about experimentation, but there must be some things that kind of are, are a common across people's experience that make things better. Yeah, so I think, I think a lot of folk are starting to recognise that Sunday school as we currently do it doesn't work mm-hmm. and, and is kind of an approach that has had its time. 
um, and that they need to start thinking about doing something different. And it's when they when they start to do that, that they start to think about actually, do we need to separate out our children and young people uh, from our wider congregation all the time? Um, or, or actually, is there something different that our children and young people can help us explore about what church actually is? Um, and that we're a community, we're a people of God here to, to do this stuff together, to do life together. Um, and it's as they start to include their children and young people and, and get them participating um, in, in worship and, and, and in other things, um, that they start to recognise that the gifts and, and um, that children and young people can can bring um, and and it just it's just those little seeds that sets them off on on this kind of uh, journey. So, what what does that in practice? What does that look like? Because we you know we still have uh, five hymns, three prayers, and a sermon, which are all fabulous. I have to say, particularly the sermon every week's amazing. <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, for a while. We had uh, our children and young people were being involved. They decided they wanted to be in the service at the start and then they wanted to to go off to a fairly traditional Sunday schools. But at the start of the service, they were the ones that led the service. So they were doing the call to worship. They were leading the prayer. They were doing the reading. And then, you know, there was a kind of conversation with them about what that might all mean. And then they would go off and, and do some exciting things while the grown-ups had to sit and listen to me talking for 15 <laughs> minutes or so. So what does that, you know, is that what that looks like or, or does it look like something else? What? I think it can look completely different depending on where you are mm-hmm. um, and, and, and what your own context is. And, and I think that's that's one of the important keys is, is kind of recognising that actually church is in some senses meant to look different in different local places because it's about a community of people and people are different. Um, so therefore church is totally okay to look different to the other ones down the road and we don't all need to look the same. Um, you know, and when people start to grasp that, um, that then that can be really freeing um, and allow you to experiment and, and do other things. So um, I think I, I'm always really keen to get folk thinking about, okay, uh, so we're a church community together. How do we do stuff together? Um, so for me, personally speaking, I would uh, get rid of Sunday schools from a Sunday. If, if you choose a Sunday morning to be the time when you are going to worship together, I would have everybody worshipping together. Um, and probably that might mean it doesn't need to be an hour and a half, um, an hour long. Actually, it could maybe even be a wee bit shorter than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and through that kind of have different ways of, of participating in worship. Um, using maybe some of kind of uh, Dave Sinos's idea around spiritual styles, uh, recognizing that people actually experience God in, in in different ways, and that's the same for children and young people as it is for adults. Um, so actually, by reorganizing things in that way, everybody wins and everybody's able to kind of participate and experience God together. And then probably what I would then do is recognize that actually what we do as church and what we do as worship and stuff, it isn't just all about that little one gathering that you have each week. Um, So then I would probably engage throughout the week in other things. Um, So some things can have everybody together um, and um, coffee mornings and and kind of those sorts of things are great activities to kind of do together, but then recognizing that that everybody actually needs 
peer support and whether that's an age-related peer support um, or whether that's a stage of life um, kind of peer support in in that sense that there, there's absolutely those times when you should get kind of uh, mums together you know that that's a stage of life that's a thing that's a way that they can support and that it gives them a different lens to explore the bible and, and all of that sort of stuff uh, so for me I think there's something about how do we explore and experience what church is together and then when we can't do things together well that's then we when we can separate off into, into other places and, and stages and, and kind of what have you but if there are things we can do together let's do them together because god calls us to be together so so let's do that so that's really just turning the default completely around isn't it that we we mostly do things separately yeah and then come together for <laughs> twice a year because it's christmas you know or something like that and 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 actually the together part of that isn't really together what it tends to be is uh, we're going to show you something and you show us something different and actually we're not together it's a performance or it's a you know the kind of nativity play or something like that that uh you know it's it great you know and it, it's you know there's, there's nothing wrong with it per mm -hmm. se but it's not it's not a together thing yeah and i think i think that there is that thing about the whole um kind of kids when they kind of participate in, in a worship service and what have you it is we we view it quite often as performance mm -hmm. um and and like I've, I've been in countless kind of uh services or what have you where the kids have got up to, to do something whatever that might be and there's there's the clapping at the end and you're like but you don't clap anybody else why why are we clapping the children what 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 yeah. actually... and why don't we clap anybody else you know <laughs> it goes both ways doesn't it <laughs> absolutely you know, absolutely you know, the organist just played an amazing voluntary why don't you clap them <laughs> Um, and and that 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 I think is around a, a kind of misunderstanding of of what it is that we mean around participation, um, and around what are our, our, our views of what children and young people are there for. Like, are we viewing them as worshippers, or are we viewing them actually as kind of of as, as other things, as as people that need to be taught how to do things, and when they've done something well, oh, we'll give them a nice clap. Thank you very much. Um, and so. Yeah, that there is definitely something around when we are coming together, how can we enable everybody that's in that space to participate? Um, so seven months ago, somebody switched the world off and, you know, <laughs> church, church stopped happening in kind of physical uh, presence and everybody had to go online. And that's changed slightly because people are starting to kind of drift back to, to some form of, uh, kind of physical gathering occasionally if you're not in level four and you're back down to 20 people again um i have a sense though that um that's been there's well two things have happened in terms of the, the kind of move back towards physical worship it's been very adult driven you know so it's it's about getting adults to go back to church so there's there's been much less thought about how do we get children back into worship so that you know i think there'll be a, a conversation about oh can we get sunday school to go back and that's a you know and and some of that's about guidelines and just working out how we can get people together and all that kind of stuff but i think the other thing that um that happened certainly for us was that um my default was to put online the bit after the children go out and to to then cater for the children in a different way so we have we still have sunday school and we do it on zoom 
and we do it at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning because that suits everybody. That's when they're used to coming. Um, and the rest of it is a kind of recorded, you know, go on YouTube and watch kind of thing, um, which isn't particularly participative, but it's kind of what we ha what we ended up with uh, kind of thing because I've got dogs that bark, so Zoom was never going to work. Do you know what I mean? So that, that was the level of choice that went into yep. that. Um, but what we have discovered is that as Sunday school went online, it actually became a family gathering because the kids couldn't initially manage the technology by themselves. And particularly the younger ones have to have somebody around kind of thing. So what happens is that the other people around have been drawn into that um, conversation, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, it, it's been it's been an absolute revelation. It's changed how we do Sunday school. And we've moved to the point where um, we've got this kind of weird thing where um, some of the kids are older. They really shouldn't be at Sunday school anymore, but they keep coming. And actually what happens now is mostly they lead, which, you know, and, and that, so that seems to me accidentally to have answered some of the, the stuff that you're talking about, but it's a complete accident. You know, it wasn't planned, at, you know, has that been, uh, are we the only people that that's happened to, or does that seem like something that's been going on? No, I, you're not. You're not alone in that at all. Um, but it's been fascinating, actually, kind of hearing stories as to what has gone on. Um, so, in the in the first kind of sense, um, a lot of people were were kind of really struggling to to work out what can we do. And I think everybody was really focused on we need to get worship, we need to get this some kind of service online somehow, and and do all of that. And so. Um, everybody defaulted and I guess when you're in crisis mode you default to what you know that, that that's just naturally what what we do um, and so people defaulted to the thing that they were comfortable with which was uh, we're going to take what we do in person and we're going to put that online um, and then um, particularly if you're in congregations that didn't have any kind of paid children youth worker or, or what have you and it was therefore left to, to, to volunteers actually a lot of them didn't necessarily have the technological capabilities or the know-how or, or any of that or even some of the kind of safeguarding things in place that you need to then take your children and young people stuff on, online uh, so some were finding that transition then for, for the kind of Sunday schools and stuff. To, to, it just took that much longer to then kind of get some of that kind of going. Um, but in the process of a lot, I think there was allowed to be a lot more experimentation with our children and young people. Um, so for the kind of more adult, shall we say, worship services that went online, whatever uh, kind of platform that you chose to use right at the beginning whether it was Facebook whether it was Zoom whether it was a YouTube whether it was live or recorded generally that decision has stuck and so you're now seven months later still using that that platform and that thing and therefore what you're doing in your services is limited by that platform whereas with our children and young people we're actually we found quite a number of folk have been able to experiment a wee bit more uh, so if they started off on one platform um, and they found, oh, well, that works for that sort of thing, um, but it doesn't work for that. We're like, oh, right. OK, we'll change and we'll use this for, for, for this other thing. Um, but I've certainly heard of a number of folk, particularly actually with with godly play. Um, they've kind of been able to um, do, take the godly play sessions on online, which 
seems quite strange in some senses because a part of godly play is being in the room and, and having all these places and, and these things to wonder and to explore and stuff. But actually by taking it online, they've like you have found actually family groups have suddenly been able to join the circle together um, and they've been able to then what has been brilliant about it is they've been able to then um, be equipping parents to be sharing faith with their kids at home in the home um, what with other people doing it and so then that is becomes way more natural to be doing some of that faith at home stuff um, which is absolutely ideal and another one of those things that I've been banging on about for years that we need to do suddenly actually people have started to see the need for that um while churches try to kind of catch up with doing stuff on online and I in my own congregation we, we do um we do Sunday school on, on online for, for our kind of um p3s and above and and we found some of them love it some of them they just can't just can't get there with it yeah um and so yeah you're finding all of those kind of differences and you're like oh how do you work out what fits most people and and you have this real desire to meet everybody's needs but at the same time you're like actually i just just don't have the energy to, yeah. to meet everybody's needs or the capacity in my week to be able to to do that um, yeah, and, that, the, and taking into consideration that some people could uh, their need their, their needs could be met but they're choosing to opt out which is a different kind of thing isn't it you know we've got some uh, young people who are just kind of do you know what I've, I've spent so long particularly at the beginning i spent so long on uh, online for school and all that kind of stuff i just don't want to do this anymore you know i'm just not interested you know it's not that i don't like sunday school it's not that i don't like the people that go i just uh, it's too much for me so you know um, i might join in later but just now that's not for me yeah the other thing i've noticed um is that a uh, much more than a uh, people people that that need meeting thing uh, people have been much more aware of that for children and young people than they maybe have for adults so you know you see congregations putting together bags of stuff um whether it's you know craft materials or whatever so that sunday school can happen but but i haven't been aware of many congregations putting together bags of stuff for the grown-ups which is fascinating isn't it that you know uh, all of a sudden we're actually concentrating on the needs of these young people to enable them to participate and it just seems a bit odd that you know yeah, but I but part of me wonders and part of me questions some of the things that folk are doing around this putting bags of stuff together. Yeah. Um, in in terms of I I can totally see uh, initially kind of where some of those ideas and and stuff were coming from, particularly when um right at the beginning and and like um all the craft shops and stuff were totally out of all supplies because every every parent had gone and they were raiding it because they had to do school at home, um and so they were using up all of that sort of stuff. So so churches who had all of these craft materials in in their buildings and all the rest of it were like absolutely there's a need let's let's get this stuff out, out to people um and and while that there's nothing wrong with that um per se at, at at all i think there's there's kind of missed opportunities around well well why is it that we're giving um or what is it that they're going to do with that or how 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 will this pack of craft material 
help a child in their faith development? Like what actually are we providing the family that is going to enable this faith stuff at home? Or as we deliver this said bag of, of craft or, or whatever that, that might be, actually, are we, are we seriously taking the opportunity when we meet on that doorstep to do some discipleship? Or are we literally ringing on the doorbell, handing them a bag of stuff and, and cheerio and we're off kind of thing. And um, so I think that while, yeah, I, I think there's something around what is it that we're doing with these things um, and, and how can we do that? And, and, and actually then, yeah, to absolutely take it a stage further and go, OK, so, so what about all the adults in the congregation? How are we enabling all of those that are struggling with, with Zoom or, or doing small groups online and, and, and all the rest of it when actually the, the Zoom fatigue is, is real um, and our brains just cannot cope? Um, and like, I hate looking at myself on the screen and while I'm looking at other people, it's like it just doesn't it does something to your brain that that you can't kind of function with so so where are those opportunities for us to be church 24 7 rather than for that hour on the on the sunday morning um and engage yeah so in terms of i think can i move up the age range a little bit so so kind of teens and, and young adults is this is this form of church just what they've been waiting for because you know, I've got an 18-year-old son who I think didn't notice that we'd been in lockdown for maybe four months because he was in his room playing his Xbox. <laughs> you know, that's his, That's his. you know, he goes out, he comes back, he, you know, he plays with his friends online, you know, so so this kind of being online thing is, you know, it's entirely comfortable to him. And there's obviously, you know, folk have had to engage with different things online that, you know, as you say, that kind of, you know, engaging with school and, being on Zoom and all that kind of stuff, but but you know, it's not something. It's not difficult for them, except that everything's now online. But is, is church online? Where you know, have they just been waiting for that, or is it as problematic for them as it is for somebody who's seventy and hasn't seen their friends for six months? I think I think there's something in the fact that um, it's it's their native space. Like they're so used to the digital, um, and and so to take faith into the digital sphere actually speaks volumes in terms of it's faith isn't just for that Sunday morning kind of service thing, but actually this is this can affect the the whole of life and and all of that kind of thing. Um, but in the same sense, um, the digital space was the young people's space. And, and we've invaded it um, and we've taken it over and we've repurposed it for our own purposes. And, and that is the sort of thing that actually fit for young people, for, for young adults, that that then becomes a barrier um, in, in terms of you're coming in and you're invading what was mine now isn't mine. So I'm now going to disengage. Thank you very much because you, you, you've kind of taken that over. Um, so there are real pluses and minuses to this whole digital thing. Um, I think it has massively opened up opportunities for those that maybe are on the edges of church or haven't connected with church before or what have you to explore church from the comfort of their own home without necessarily being seen um, or having to do the interaction or, or all of that. So I think that has been a real benefit and is something that we need to actually seriously explore and consider what, what, how we can make the most of that and, and what we can kind of do with that. Um, and then on the other side, we kind of need to look at um, okay, so so young people are 
this is their native space, but they're now disengaging because we've taken over. Um, what is it that we can do with that? What are the now other spaces or how do we enable their creativity to take over again and, and to really go and, and kind of really let let fly with, with some of those kind of things? And, and some of it is also about, OK, so what is it that, that young people, young adults actually need um, in, in terms of what is it that helps their faith grow? And, and part of that is relationship and relationship is hard online. And I think that's what folk have been finding. You know, relationship is really hard online, uh, particularly to build from from kind of scratch. Um, in, in that kind of sense, it's a wee bit, been a wee bit easier if you've got that existing relationship to take it online. Um, so relationship is a thing, um, but they also need experience. You know, they also need to be able to participate in stuff. Um, and yeah, how are we going to do that? And what is that going to kind of look like? Um, and, and the other thing that they need is to really be able to be given that opportunity to question stuff yeah. um, to really explore it and to, to not be given the this is the this is the right answer this is the wrong answer kind of thing or this is the only way or this is what have you but how do we enable them to question and wrestle and go with that and that's a that's a thing that's bigger than the question of the digital and or the physical yeah. space uh, that's way bigger in terms of what it is that we do as church and how we approach it and and all of that stuff yeah i've encountered that in in real life far too often that you know i've, I've run you know, kind of drama workshops where we take a parable and pull it to bits and everybody plays a part and we come up with 5,000 different, you know, things that it could be about and somebody comes to you at the end and say, yeah, well, that, that was great, but what's it about? You know, what what's the one right answer? <laughs> you know, but but that's that's been their experience of church, that somebody, every Sunday, somebody tells them what the right answer to the question is, What you know, whatever they think, you know, probably tells them what the right question is and the right answer, but... um. You know that space to allow people to think and to be wrong. Um, I think we're, we're we're just rubbish at that as as church. You know, we we we're so terrified to say the wrong thing, um, or to to take a position that's provisional to see if it fits. Um, that that you know we're we're just all really scared of that. Yeah, we've got we've kind of lost the whole kind of uh, I guess the whole practical theology kind of side and, and way of doing things. Um, I, th I think we automatically default to the Bible is true. There's the one right answer, the wrong one right thing, rather than kind of looking and exploring and going, okay, yeah. So the Bible is that the Word of God is saying this, and actually experience is saying this. How do the two? kind of come together um, yeah. and what's that about and based on your experience and my experience and yours and, and how do we wrestle with with all of that um so yeah but the, i suppose you know as you said bringing bringing people together in a way that makes that uh meaningful for everybody can be really difficult yeah you know and allowing people to to participate at, at a level that suits them without feeling pressured and you know all that kind of stuff it's just hard isn't it it's it's you know it's built it's, it's hard enough in in real life when you can read people properly and that's what I, I think that you said that zoom's just really hard that's one of the things i find really difficult about it that you've got 10 faces looking at you all the time and you don't have that in real life you, you know you sit in a circle and you're only actually ever looking at one person at a time really and you're aware of the other people but you're not you know you don't look at 10 faces at the same time that it's just weird um, you know, so to, to try and 
encourage people to take part and to know when they want to take part and when they don't want to take part, all that kind of stuff. It's just really hard to facilitate. Yeah, it's, it's really different. And I, I think folk have kind of seen that even with the kind of, there's been a positive with it in, in terms of the kind of church service, particularly for some of those congregations that have kind of moved to using um, Zoom as their, as their space, um, because that's actually changed the dynamic because everybody looks the same. Uh, you've all got the same size bit on your screen. You're all there. You're seeing everybody. And that's just so totally different to everybody sitting in pews, in rows, seeing the backs of heads and, and just the face of the minister. Yeah. Um, and so that has transformed how they therefore see worship and what worship is about. And that's enabled the whole co-creation and participation element stuff to happen uh, whereas those that have maybe stuck with the um, kind of YouTube recorded services or the Facebook live or, or what have you th that hasn't been able to happen because of the type of platform and then kind of how that is is, is kind of worked but um, that the whole being able to wrestle with questions and, and things together traditionally our services are not the places where we've necessarily been able to do that we've not set up our, like how how we preach how we do sermons all of that stuff they're just not set up to do that so you need other spaces in in which to have that um and if folk are trying to now start some of those spaces on online where you've not had them previously in in person in the in the past it's it's an extra added layer of things to get used to yeah. um and to try and work with and and see how that works and i think there's a lot of fear you know doing doing new things always brings fear um and and so i'm i'm a dreadful one i'm like i often don't like to necessarily give my own opinion in things because i i because I, th I think it's been inbuilt into me that you need to be right and i'm like but what if i'm wrong so maybe it maybe it goes back to when i was a child and i was like told off for being wrong or something somewhere um but that that kind of always that fear inside of not wanting to give of yourself in case people look down on you or look look at you in a kind of different light so yeah not even being wrong, just not knowing. You know, I think there's this kind of sense. I, I, I remember when I was 18 being asked to co-lead, uh, um, it was called the Discovery Groups after the Billy Graham crusade with somebody. So that, you know, 100 years ago, whenever that was. Um, but but thinking, oh my goodness, I'm 18. Imagine being asked as an 18-year-old to, to kind of co-lead this, right? So we co-led it. And one of the people that came was the session clerk who was 72, and we had this conversation um, every week about, you know, some really, I suppose, what we would call basic kind of introduction to the Bible stuff. You know, who's Jesus? What's going on? What are these things? And at the end of that six weeks, he said, I've never had those conversations before. Because it, and he'd come to church every week, but he'd come yeah. to church every week and, you know, sat and stood up for the five hymns and bowed his head for the three prayers and, and listened to somebody tell him what the Bible meant. And he'd never had that opportunity. And I just felt really sad about yeah. that, you know, and amazed that to be part of something like that, that. And it was a hugely formational thing for him at 72. You know, so it, it's not just about children and young people having the opportunity to, to have those conversations. It's about recognising that they're important. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it's one of, one of those things that, I, I mean, I was, I've, 
got a theology degree you know I've, I've studied all of this stuff and and actually that was massively formational you know and that has led me down that journey of of having that more confidence to kind of tackle some of this stuff and, and look at some of these kind of books and, and explore some of those kind of things and I'm like why is it that we leave some of that theological formation to the preserve of those that we're training for ministry why is it that actually that surely surely that should be something that every Tom Dick or Harry is in a congregation is is being equipped and looking at and being able to to explore because yeah. Because on one level, it, you know, don't tell anybody, but it's not that complicated. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, so theology is mostly about having tools to ask the right kinds of questions. Yeah. That's all it is, you know, yeah. and then you ask the questions, then you have a conversation and that's where you do the theology. But mostly the how-to is about, um, so what question, what is this that I'm reading? You know, so what kind of literature is it? It makes a massive difference. And yep. then, so given that it's a poem, how how would I then engage with it? Or it's a letter, or it's a gospel, or it's history? You know, wh- what questions can I ask of this? And then where does that take me? And th- that's it. You know, I, 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 and, and we, we really overcomplicate a lot of this stuff. And, and because I think sometimes, um, like anything, you put a professional in charge of it, and people default to that because you've got time and space and a bookshelf and you know all that kind of stuff. And we do the same with uh, children and youth workers. That yep. like, you know you you you're in charge of this now. You go and do it. And you know I've seen so many churches over the year um, that the children and youth work actually um, deteriorates when they employ somebody because everybody else gives up. Yep. You know they leave this poor person to. Will you just do it now because we're paying you mostly, yep. um, or because you know so much more about it? than we do whereas the children and youth workers thinking i'm here to enable you to to do this and there's this huge tension between you know the 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 two kind of places (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i've seen it so many times so many times so does so does the 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 church of the future what what um you know this is control all delete slash church because we had this feeling seven or eight months ago whenever it was that the church was going to be renewed and I'm slightly less optimistic about that now because uh, I have the sense that actually what we'd quite like to do is just get back to normal as soon as we can please um so how, how can we avoid that what's what, what we're going to have to do to to make sure that that doesn't happen yeah I think I think there's something around like when when lockdown first hit I, I and we all kind of came on online. I, I got quite excited, you know, that actually we were going to have to do church differently, and that that was going to give folk an opportunity to to stop and think. Actually, what is it that they wanted? That they thought church was. What what is it that we think it's for? Um, and and therefore what are we going to do? How are we going to operate things? But because as I, as I mentioned, we were in crisis mode, everybody just reverted to what they knew. And so some of that, some of my initial hopes were, were not founded that they didn't kind of work. And I think then it became, okay, so, so now we're starting to think about maybe going back into our buildings and we've experienced this digital stuff. And for some of us, this has been a really good thing. We've liked the change. Therefore, what can we do um, kind of when we're going back? And so there's a bit of hope that, oh, some of this stuff we might be able to take back in. But I think what has happened um, due to 
how we are having to do our worship services in person at the moment um, in that they have to be very much a kind of um, one person up the front leading a service, everybody else sitting there with masks on, not, not speaking, not involved, all of that stuff. It's, it's almost like we've reverted in our in-person services to way back further than even we were when lockdown first hit. Um, we've had to revert back. And, and that's not actually primarily necessarily our fault. That's that's the fault of these are the regulations. This is what we have to kind of work with. So um, on one sense, I have this fear that because that's what we're now doing, that that's what we're now always going to do, that that is going to be the new normal, so to speak. Um, whereas I would have the hope that actually this time and, and this kind of need to reassess everything to go, OK, we've had some stuff in person. We've had some stuff online. Um, what now? Um, let's put everything up in the air. What now are we going to do? Um, what have we learned that's great that we therefore want to take forward into whatever this new is going to be? What's the stuff that actually, you know what, we really haven't missed. So, so let's stop putting our energy on that um, and let's put our energy on something different. And, and how, what now is it? Who is it that we now are as a community? What is it that we can now kind of go forward and, and, and do? And, and I would really hope um, and, and like to see that, that, that maybe some of these lessons around uh, people participating uh, would really start to kind of uh, come come forward and, and become far more of a, a kind of this is who we are. We all, we're here as a community. We all participate in this. Um, and, and I'd like to start seeing some of this kind of can we build this culture of questioning um, so that it's normal for us to explore our faith together. And, and that's totally cool and, and totally relevant and totally right um, and kind of what we need to do. Um, and then, yeah, I'd love I'd love to see us actually really take this intergenerational community stuff quite seriously and, and think about how that kind of works. And I think the way we have to get to these places is to take this opportunity, to take this time and go, what is church? You know, what what, what is it that we mean when, when we talk about church? Um, is it that hour on a Sunday morning kind of service thing or, or actually is church something quite different? And if it is different, what is it supposed to be? And therefore, how do we become that? How do we truly become this kind of community uh, that that loves one another, that cares for one another, that worships together, that explores the Bible together, that prays together, that eats together? How do we do all of that? Um, and, and within doing all of that, recognise that children and young people are just as much a part of that as as the 74 year olds that have been there all their lives and, and all of that sort of stuff. How do we take the priesthood of all believers seriously um, and, and really catch on to that and, and use people's gifts and see that kind of going and, and shaping and, and then maybe how can we take some of these kind of more structural things and how, how we organize ourselves and, and what we do and, and change some of that to match what our vision of church actually is. Mm. Yeah, it's been interesting even at, even at that level, the kind of organisational stuff to see how how uh, some of the kind of grown up structures have, have um, reacted to that. So some, you know, in the kind of presbytery level, some presbyteries have pretty much thrown all the, the kind of rules and regulations out of the window and they're having really creative conversations um, that still, you know, they, they, they meet, meet the purpose 
but they've kind of redefined the purpose of what presbytery is for. So presbyteries become a place where people can support one another, as opposed to where uh, people can nod a deliverance through that isn't really going to impact them anyway, because it's a procedural thing that, well, you know, to be honest, nobody cares about. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't apply to us, or it does in such a way that, well, you know... We'll just ignore it anyway. <laughs> we'll either just ignore it or we'll nod and we'll do it. But, you know, the reality is that life's so different now, it doesn't really make any difference. Um, and it's that 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 is played out in all kinds of ways, that, that some people have clung to the, the structure, you know, and the regulations, and, you know, you can't do that until we've decided you know, to give you permission and other people just went and did it, you know, so there's a whole kind of thing about communion at the start. Mm-hmm. You know, can we have communion online? Is it even, and folk are off, you know, oh, we had communion last week. Oh, the theological forum's having a conversation about that. Well, that's great. I wonder if they'll catch up soon, yep. you know, and it, it, it's fascinating to see that, you know, how sometimes, uh, you know, they say that, what was it, crisis is the mother of invention, you know, so, yes. so sometimes you, you just have to, try stuff and see what happens but you're right it's so easy then to get stuck in your first response so if your first response is what do the rules say about this then you know you're not going to get much further than that um and then you know i had i actually hadn't given any thought whatsoever to this you know we, we have to go back and there's a particular way that that's going to happen um and then it's going to be really hard to change out of that mm-hmm. but it'd almost be better if we didn't go back at all until we could go back fully and then we can have that conversation about what this might look like. Yeah, and Um, I think a lot of congregations have found that. So some of those congregations that have started back meeting in their church services, initially, like when you kind of put in this this kind of process of you had to book your seat for church kind of thing, um, and they were oversubscribed and turning people away. Um, But two, three, four weeks down the line, they were not getting enough people to, to meet their numbers because people were going and experiencing something that they were like, this really, really is not it. It's just not cutting because we're having to literally just come and, and sit. Um, and, and all the elements that they had been missing, the interaction with people and the being able to sing and, and all of that, you, we can't do at the moment. Um, so, so it was just not, not getting there. And so, yeah, yeah church of... can be an incredibly passive experience anyway, you yeah. know, and so when you take away the very few things that you are allowed to do, then it, you know, you kind of wonder, it's even what is it, you know, what do we think we're doing with this? But then what do we think we're doing anyway? Um, but it's so easy just to, you know, I said, you know, I, I did a job like yours for 20 years and I'm yeah. still, you know, we have five hymns, three yeah. prayers in a sermon, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to change it. And some of that's just about, that's maybe as much about me as it is about the congregation because the congregation, if I ask my congregation, they'll say, yeah, we'll do whatever you, whatever you want. You know, so there's, there's some of that's about just, I'm scared. Yeah. Even though I know all of this stuff and I know it's good and I, you know, but I'm terrified that it doesn't work. So, you know, convince me what, what why should I just jack all the stuff in that we do and, and, and try all of this because it sounds amazing. <laughs> Oh, what, what, why, why do it? Because God is bigger than we are, I think, you know, and, and, and God has this real kind of desire that he is able to meet his people and, and we need to get out of the way often. And, and I think some of our structures and some of our ways of, of, of doing things actually are in essence causing more harm than good. 
Um, and, and I think we've got to kind of be honest with ourselves about that um, and, and let's get serious and let's really seek God and go, OK, so, so God, what is it that you're looking for? What, what is the way that you want us to be? How, how do you want to kind of interact with one another and, and then be bold, you know, and, and take those steps? And yes, we need to. There's something around not jumping in with this right we're massively changing everything and we're going to launch that launch this thing sometimes that can work um you know but but sometimes actually you need to take the smaller steps um and then kind of do it a bit more kind of gradually and get fake on board and and, and all of that sort of stuff and that really is dependent on your own kind of context and, and what kind of goes on but maybe maybe now is this time where we've got a bit more used to doing things differently that actually we can start to explore together as a congregation so so who are we um and and what is that about and who do we want to be um and when we kind of get to these stages what what how do we want to shape our life together what is it that we want to kind of look at with with some of that and and to make sure that when we're having those kind of conversations that it's maybe it's not just the Kirk session or it's not just those few interested people, but actually that you, you have some children in that conversation, you know, because children can be the most insightful um, of, of people. And, and they're often the ones that aren't afraid to ask the questions, you know, so often we were talking about that, that we find it difficult to ask the questions and to give the answers. Actually kids will just, they'll just say it how they see it um so so let's use that gift you know and, and let's explore some of that kind of um stuff um together and I think there's there's something about us just just have being brave um but yeah just being willing to experiment and and to be different and and to try different things and it's not to say it has to work um you know and and to let, let's let's for goodness sake let's be okay with failure you know, we've got a wee bit more used to it with being online when the technology doesn't quite work and this doesn't happen and, and, and all of that. How can we celebrate our failures and use those as, as things that are going to kind of help? And how can we look at all the other people round about us and the stuff that they're doing and, and be encouraged by it? Um, you know, whereas before we used to look at other people down the road and we're like, oh, we looked on with envy and we wanted to be like them and, and to do all of that. Whereas now during this kind of time, actually, I've seen a lot more people kind of uh, kind of forming decent relationships with faith from other congregations, whether it's ministers with ministers or youth workers or whatever that might be. Everybody's actually like, we're all in this together. We're, we're all church. We're all doing this together. So how can we take some of that um, and kind of, all together be exploring some of these so, so what is it what do we mean by church what what's that going to be what are the little steps that have you tried that have you tried that oh maybe we could do that maybe we could kind of pick up that um but let's always not forget the the why question yeah. you know so often we can launch look for the, the next program model or the next thing let's ignore programs you know stuff programs church isn't programs church is relationship church is people um how do we move off that and and into um some of those things what one of the things that we have i suppose discovered is um you know for the vast majority of people they go to their church you know and that you know that we I live in a village and there are people that have lived here all their lives and have only really ever been to one church and all of that time or maybe two. Um, so one of the things that this has allowed people is to, to go and visit other places and to hear other voices, um, which um, could be, if I was incredibly insecure, um, a really difficult thing. 
you know, because what if they like them better than they like me? Um, you know, so there is some of that, you know, there's that undoubtedly some of that, and there are, you know, without being in any way humbled, there are lots of people out there who are doing stuff that's much better than what I'm doing. So, uh, and people will discover that. And, and I, I think in the past, we've been really scared of that because, mm-hmm. uh, but, but less so because people would have to go somewhere else. You know, have to physically go and find these people and, you know, go, go somewhere else. Whereas now you don't have to go anywhere. You can just find other stuff. So I guess, you know, for me, the, the question then is, so do you engage with that really proactively and say, look, um, Susan Brown does a brilliant morning reflection every single day at when at three o'clock in the morning, whenever she walks her dog. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. You know, there's no danger that I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning to walk my dog and record a reflection while I'm doing that. But I'm more than delighted to post Susan's every day. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, our boys' brigade hasn't been meeting, but 14th Leith very quickly got their anchor boys online and do this amazing program. So we just go there, yeah. you know, cause, because in some ways it doesn't matter because you're all online. You know, you can be part of something uh, that, that's far away or close together. Um. But one of the things I suppose that that then uh, gives, you know, we're talking about developing relationships. And one of the things I'm I'm a little bit concerned about is that um, how do you then foster those relationships when we do end up in a kind of in-person, we go back because at some point we will go back and, and, you know, we we plan to keep doing the online stuff, um, but you've almost kind of, facilitating two different kinds of relationships, then you've got the people that can come and then you've got these other people who are in Canada or, uh, you know, just down the road or, or wherever, you know, and, and are they members of my congregation? I don't really know now. Um, whereas I, I know that there's a line that goes around this place and those people are my responsibility. And it, it opens up all kinds of questions like that, doesn't it? It's a, yeah. it's a you know, Absolutely. what does it mean to belong? Which yeah. is a question the church has been struggling with for years and years and years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that that whole kind of um, parish boundary thing, you know, like actually, do we need to keep that, or or do we not? Are there different ways that we can um, kind of keep hold of that kind of third article declaratory that that the whole kind of we've got somebody places for, for everybody wherever they are that they are part of something and um, can we do that in a different way that's maybe not the kind of parish system um and and can we explore some of that and and maybe there's even kind of i guess some learning maybe from um, things like uh, messy church and um, some of the fresh expressions ways of, of kind of doing things um that you can see so a co- messy church is seen as a separate congregation you know so so actually we've got that language and we've got that way of thinking a wee bit and so you have your your kind of in building congregation or or what have you you have your messy church congregation and some congregations churches ministers they're looking after three or four congregations you know but they all have their own separate identities so so is there anything wrong with then an online congregation just being added into the mix in 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 that sense i think it it begs the question of changing actually the role of the minister a wee bit and the role of people leading some of these things because you can't keep adding 
more and more new congregations and expecting ministers to still be standing at the end of the week, you know, um, in the, using the model that, that, that we would at the moment. Um, but are there other ways that we can reconsider what it is when we mean when we talk about ministry and the recognised ministries and, and all of those sorts of things, are there other methods and ways of looking at stuff that is going to allow a wee bit more freedom for some of these new and, and exciting things to bubble up and to be allowed to flourish rather than being put down under a structure? You know, how can we do that? And there's, there's some of that um, being part of lots of different things or lots of different places that, that, Actually, our young people have that experience all the time. You know, when they go off to college or university and they leave home, they still have roots in their home congregation, but they might join a Christian union or they might join a congregation and, you know, wherever the university or their college is. And, you know, so they inhabit these kind of dual identity things where, they, you know, they belong to, you know, St. Andrews or Glasgow or, you know, Edinburgh or wherever they find themselves, but they, you know, they live in Ochtermurti or Inverness or, you know, it doesn't, you know, we we negotiate those. We all do that. Yeah, you know, and we, I think I think young people do it even even when they are young people before they've left home. Yeah, I think you. It's it's quite common given that um that the numbers of young people in a lot of our congregations are actually relatively small. Um, so it's not uncommon for there to be a youth work project that spans three or four congregations. Yeah. Um. And for young people to be in one on a Sunday morning and then for the youth group during the week or during the evening or whatever, that are another one. And then for something else that, that they're another one, actually, they 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 do that way more than we do. And they do it um, crossing denominational boundaries too, very easily, um, very, very easily. Um, and I think that's um, one of the things that's been coming out of uh, Ruth Perrin's recent research um, from Durham University on kind of young adult faith um, development and, and formation and stuff. And, and she was talking about actually that this, this, these generations coming now do not see church denominationally in the, in the way that, that, that maybe um, in the past we all did. Um, and, and they're a lot more kind of willing to shift and change and, and, and find the church community that, that kind of fits um, where they are and, and, and what they're doing um, rather than thinking, oh, I've always been part of the Church of Scotland. I'm going to stay in the Church of Scotland. This, this is going to kind of happen. And, and part of me does wonder if some of that is going to become a wee bit more common for, for some of the older generations too in terms of now we've all had this opportunity where we can go visit all of these different churches whether they're in Scotland whether they're <laughs> around the world wherever they might be um, and we've all been able to experience some of the differences that, that come from different worship styles from different kind of traditions all of that if actually that is going to allow us to to really kind of knock some of these denominational boundaries down a wee bit um, more and actually kind of let's really be the body of Christ together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's celebrate the things that, that we are unique and, and let's explore what they are and, and let's get to grips with what they are and why we have them. But then let's let's work and, and, and meet um, and stuff together with, with kind of everybody else. Are there ways that we can um, kind of look and explore some of that a wee bit more? You just mentioned some research there, which is great. It's good that somebody's reading something and people are actually writing, um, which has been one of my things for years and years that, that um, people who do this stuff don't ever write it down. Um, you know, it's a, it's a real thing. Um, so, th so there are very few um, kind of 
route maps almost, you know, that people are, you, you mentioned Dave Sinos earlier, you know, people like that who are actually grappling with this stuff and writing it down so that other people can have the same kind of thoughts and and, and question and, and move things on. So um, help us, what sh who should we be looking at? What, what kind of stuff's out there to help us to grapple with some of this stuff apart from phoning you every five minutes? You can attempt to find me or email me if you want, and that, that, that's fine um, in some senses. I think there are various kind of different thinkers, different people. Um, so one really good place um, to get certainly some kind of recent research um, is the Youthscape Centre for Research. Um, they started a, a kind of particular centre um, for researching into work with young people and, and all of that. And they've got some really fascinating stuff recently kind of come out about young people's spiritual practices. Um, really good um, kind of stuff um, within that. The Youth for Christ have done a suite of three different research projects, um, looking at the digital space, looking at faith in general um, and, and spiritual practices again. Um, so they're really good things to look at. Ruth Perrin's one on, on young adult stuff. Hers is a book, rather than a research report, um, which is great, called uh, Changing Shape. Um, and then some of the other kind of thinkers, so we've mentioned Dave Sinos, um, he's, a, he's a really good one around uh, spiritual styles and, and children's uh, faith formation. He's got a brand new book out at the moment um, called Little Theologians. Um, how do we look at children and see them as theologians? Um, and how does that come? And he's got one coming out soon around uh, inter intergenerational preaching, okay. um, which will be amazing. I've, I've heard some of his initial findings from this research stuff that he's done and it's going to be fabulous um, and then the other the other thinker that I think it's really good to, to grapple with um, is Andy Root mm -hmm. um, and some of his stuff so he he brought out a book just at the start of lockdown um, around um, it was called uh, the um, the end of youth ministry question mark um, and that really trying to look at so what is youth ministry for um, and it was all around actually broader than that what is church for what what is the point what, why do we kind of do all of this and, and how can we do all of that um, he's got some great stuff um, yeah I, I think uh, I, I said to somebody fairly recently um, that fresh expressions is just youth work for grown-ups because it is and you know, folk can argue with me about that if they want, but it, you know, I'm right, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I know I am. Um, so, you know, I think for for people who are maybe listening to this, thinking I don't, you know, I'm not a children's worker or a youth worker, you know, that's not really my thing. Um, I I would hugely, hugely, hugely encourage you to go and look at some of this stuff um, because it's not it's not just about how we work with children and young people. It's about grappling with questions about what church is. And yeah. actually those, those findings will inform the next lot of stuff that's written about what, what does church look like for grown-ups? Because these, these kids are the ones that are going to be doing that research and, and taking that forward and leading the church, you know, so it, it's hugely important that, that folk engage with this stuff, even if you don't think it's for you, it really, really is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's the one of those common things that, that you get folk kind of thinking, oh, children, children's and, and youth work, we'll leave that to those volunteers and we do, we'll leave them. And, and you're like, actually, the only way anything works is if we grapple with all of these questions together. Um, because the, as I've said all the way through, children and young people are part of the church. You know, we can't keep them off. We can't keep just leaving the thinking around that to, to certain people. Bring it in, bring it in, people. Um, it's all part of the whole. We all need to really take it seriously. 
thank you so much for your time, Susie. That's been a fantastic conversation. You are very welcome. Thank you.